0: are in part who knows 10 um, of the making of champions the making of champions and I'm I'm extremely excited about today's uh, sermon because this gets to the heart of the gospel this gets to the very heart of the gospel so let's take a moment let's bow our heads and then we will dive in to the making of champions father we love you We are grateful for you. We ask, Lord God, that you would um, open our hearts this morning. I pray, Lord God, that my words would be life, that you would speak through me, that your word would pour through me, and you would speak to our hearts. And bring hope and joy and life and transformation, bring salvation, bring deliverance into our hearts. We do surrender ourselves to you this morning, wholly and completely. We put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. We wave the white flag of surrender and say, you are Lord, you are Christ. Transform us, change us, draw us into what it means to live in you. We love you, praise you, and honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, I'm going to read a long passage this morning. If you have your Bible, you can follow along with me in Joshua chapter 2. And I'll break it up as we go. And then we'll dive into it and explore it together. It begins, Joshua 2, chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from an unfortunately named city that shall remain unpronounced at this time. So um, notice, notice that you got to be careful in the Hebrew. you got to be careful if you're preaching on this passage. Uh, notice that he sends two spies. We're moving on from that word. Uh, he sends two spies. Now, earlier, Moses had sent 12 spies. Some of you may know the story. Uh, Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land to determine whether or not they could conquer it or not. Ten of the spies came back and said, we can't conquer it. They're so great, we can't conquer it. Only two of the spies came back and said, we can conquer it. What, what, what I'm learning from this is you don't need everybody's opinion. You need the opinions of some faithful few who can speak life into you. You need the opinions of a few people who say God is with us. He will not leave us nor forsake us. So, so Joshua sends only two spies. He says, go look over the land. Notice he says, especially Jericho. Especially Jericho. Why especially Jericho? Jericho was the stronghold of the promised land. Jericho was the fortified city in the promised land. There was a, a fountain in Jericho that allowed them to grow crops without having to leave the fortified walls of the city So if you're in Jericho, you've got to get through Jericho in order to enter into the promised land My question for you is what is the Jericho in your life? What is the promised? What is the stronghold in your life that is keeping you from moving into the promises of God different sermon? But i'm just i'm just putting a pin in that So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab a prostitute named Rahab. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. He said, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman, Rahab, had taken the two men and hidden them. Now follow this. She said... To the soldiers, she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But, it says, she had actually taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. I I just, that was interesting to me at how smoothly she handled that situation. She, she, she. The, the truth is, Rahab was a prostitute. She owned a brothel. This wasn't the first time she had hidden men in her house. Can I just tell you that even the things that God, even the things that you've meant for evil, God can use for good. Uh, God can take your past and even some of the things you've done in the past and transform them to His good. She's hiding the spies of God in the in the uh, under the stalks of flax in her. Roof it says this so the men the soldiers set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan And as soon as the pursuers had gone out the gate was shut Before the spies lay down for the night She went up on the roof and said to them This is what this is. This is amazing. You, You need to you need to memorize this. She says I know That the lord has given you this land And that a great fear of you has fallen on us So that all who live in this country, in in this country, and in the promised land, all of us who live here are melting in fear because of you. Let me pause there for one moment. Do you remember when Moses sent the spies and they came back and they said, we're terrified. They're They're like monsters. We're like crickets compared. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. And the Israelites' hearts were melting in fear. This gives us a little insight about what was happening in the lives and in the hearts of the people of Jericho while the Israelites were trembling in fear and melting in fear. It turns out that the people in Jericho were also melting in fear. The scripture says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Can I tell you the thing that you are afraid of might be more afraid of you than you need to be of it. These people in Jericho were absolutely trembling in fear. Moses couldn't send the people in because they were all afraid. It turns out that the Canaanites were also afraid. She said, we have heard how the Lord God dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites of the uh, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. We've heard about your God. When we heard of it, she said, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. And here's the line for the Lord, your God is God. The Lord, your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Why why does she say their God is God? Because she's seen the work of God through them and she has now glorified their father in heaven. The reality is, is when we, as followers of Jesus, start living out our faith, when we start bringing hope and peace and righteousness in the community around around us, people don't just look at us, they look through us. They look at us and glorify our Father in heaven. She said, I've heard about the works that God has done through you, now I'm going to put my faith in your God. Verse 12, now then, she said, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. Because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, of my mother, of my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. The men said, our lives for your lives. If you don't tell what we're doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. Now, the men had said to her, this oath, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord. Somebody say scarlet cord scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down agreed she replied let it be as you say so she sent them away and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window i want to focus on one verse out of that whole large passage it's uh, verse one and the phrase is a prostitute named Rahab. Go to that next slide. A prostitute, a prostitute named Rahab. The sermon title for today's message is Marked for Life. Marked, marked for life, marked for life. Uh, A few years ago, my in-laws and I uh, and our family, we all went on a family vacation together. We, we like to go uh, up to Michigan. We go to a little town up there, and we get an Airbnb, and we hang out, and we just have a great time. And my, my, my father-in-law, if you haven't met him, I think he's come to the second service, so I can talk about him in the first service. Amen. So uh, my, my father-in-law... Uh, loves to fix stuff he's one of these guys that just like he he'll go to your house and he'll just start looking around for something to fix which I love because that's not my gift that's not my spiritual gift and so he comes in and, and, and he's just looking for stuff in fact stuff that's not even broken he'll fix it does anybody have like sometimes he'll break stuff just in order to fix it so he's probably watching right now um so we're on vacation, and we're at the Airbnb, and he starts looking around, and he starts going, man, there's some stuff here for me to fix, right? So he starts fixing stuff around the Airbnb. But the kids don't want Grandpa fixing stuff. They want Grandpa to take him down to the beach. So the kids come up to Grandpa, and they go, come on, Grandpa, let's go to the beach. And he goes, no, I can't go to the beach right now. I'm fixing stuff around here. And they go, yeah, that's, that's, that's no fun, Grandpa. I think, I think Augustine said, that's no fun, Grandpa. And then, and then my, my little daughter, Eden, I think she kind of either misunderstood it or didn't fully understand the phrase. And so she said, yeah, that's no fun grandpa. So, so, so Augustine said, that's no fun grandpa. And then she took it and made a label for him. You're no fun grandpa. And then for the rest of the vacation, everybody except me called him <laughs> no fun grandpa. He was marked not for life, But for a week, he was marked for life. And occasionally, we still call him No Fun Grandpa. We just, we still put that little dig in there. Rahab was not marked for a week. Rahab was marked for life. Everywhere you look in the Bible, when you see the name Rahab, they add her identifying mark. They call her Rahab the prostitute. They called her Rahab the prostitute in the Old Testament. They call her Rahab the prostitute in the New Testament. Everywhere you look, they call her Rahab the prostitute. It was a mark on her life. It was a mark that identified her, a mark that she probably wasn't proud of, a mark that she probably didn't want to have, a mark that she didn't probably want people to call her all the time. But for 3,500 years, we have been calling her Rahab, Rahab the prostitute. How many of you know what it feels like to have a mark on your life? How many of you know what it feels like to be marked by, by an experience or an event from your past? Does, does, anybody, does anybody know what it feels like to be marked by an event, perhaps over which you had no control? There, there's, there's an indelible mark left on some part of your soul, Some something was imprinted on your mind, something was imprinted on your heart, something was imprinted on your life that left a mark. Maybe you experienced betrayal from somebody who supposedly loved you and that left a mark. That left a mark. You, you still feel that today. Maybe some of you have been through uh, a divorce and that has left a mark. Some of you have experienced some kind of abuse in your life and it has marked you and you're tempted to feel that that is your identity because it's left a mark on you. Uh, some of us have experienced loss. And that's left a mark. Some of us have experienced some kind of trauma in our, in our life, and that has left a mark. And sometimes in your darker moments, you tend to identify yourself by that mark. Others of us have been marked not by something that happened to us, but something that happened by us, a bad decision or a series of bad decisions that we made in our lives that we still carry the mark of those decisions on our lives. Some of us have have done things in the past that we wish we hadn't done because they've left a mark. We've failed in some way or we've quit when the going got tough and that has marked us in some way. We've, we've failed in the way that we've communicated with a spouse or we failed in the way that we've interacted with a friend or a colleague or we failed at school and it's, and it's left a mark. All of us know what it's like to some extent to be marked, marked by events from our, our past, either those things that happened to us or those things that happened by us. When we meet Rahab in this story, she's marked. She is marked. She's marked in her community. Her reputation is marked. She is known as Rahab, the prostitute. But as I began to study this story, I realized she she received a different mark in the story. There's an entirely different mark that is placed upon her by God in the story. You say, okay, what do you mean? God sends the two spies from Israel to Jericho. And notice what they said, verse 17. It says, now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window. The scarlet cord is a mark. The scarlet cord is a mark. They said, you, you, you need to mark your house, mark your house with this scarlet cord. And when you mark this house with the scarlet cord, we will know that you are not to die. We will know that this scarlet cord indicates that you are to remain alive. So somebody, follow me for a minute, somebody who is marked for life, just got marked for life. Not for death, for life. Everybody else in Jericho is going to die. But you are, getting, you are getting marked for life. You see, God actually likes to take people who are marked for life by their circumstances, by their situation, by bad things that happen to them and by them. God likes to take people who are marked for life and mark them for life. A whole new life he likes to mark them for true life he likes to mark them for abundant life he likes to mark them for eternal life let me show you what i mean because this isn't the first time this happens in the bible in genesis 4 cain we know uh, murdered his brother this is the first fratricide in the bible this is a person who has committed a great crime and yet god in his infinite mercy and grace says this in genesis 4 16 it says this God placed a, somebody help me, a mark on Cain so that whoever found him would not kill him. Cain was marked for life as a murderer, but then God marked him for life. Marked him so that he would not die. Marked him so that no one would kill him. We look at the children of Israel in Egypt, and we know that all of the plagues had been happening over and over and over again, and yet Pharaoh was not letting the people go. And so God says, I'm going uh, to send my angel of death to, to, to Egypt, and I'm going to take the lives of the children. But then he said this, the blood of the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark. For you, In other words, what what he's saying is, I want you to kill the blood of a lamb. I want you to kill a little lamb and take the blood and put that on your doorpost. And that will be a mark for you, and that will be a mark for life. It will be a mark that everybody in your house is to remain alive. It will be a mark of my grace and a mark of my mercy. Hebrews 9.14 says this, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Do you see what's happening in this passage? What's happening is God is saying, I want to mark you with the blood of Christ. Because when you are marked with the blood of Christ, you receive eternal life. You are actually marked for life. You are not marked by your past. You are remarked. You are marked anew. There's a new mark on you, and that new mark is not just for this life. It's for the life to come. It's for eternal life. It is forever. So some of you who have been marked for life, you feel that you've been marked for life by your circumstances. God's saying, no, I want to mark you for real life. I want to mark you for abundant life. I want to mark you for true life. So, So what does it look like? What does it look like when you're marked for life? What does it look like when you become a person who receives the mark of God's grace and mercy? What does it look like when you are a Rahab who experienced being marked by your reputation and your actions and by the things that happened to you, and suddenly God says, no, I'm going to mark you in a different way? What does your life look like when you are marked by God? Number one, you become the recipient of divine protection become the recipient of divine protection. If you ever look at uh, a president or a vice president, if you ever look on the news and see a, a, a foreign emissary come, if you ever look on the news and see somebody of this kind of standing and of this kind of stature, if you look behind them, you'll see somebody that's looking like this. It's somebody who is there assigned to protect them. It's somebody who, by federal statute, is obligated and ordered to protect the person. And it's not just because the person is so great. It's because the person has a purpose, and that purpose needs to be protected. And so this secret service agent, by federal statute, is required to protect that person and the family members of that person. You see, when we receive the mark of God, when God says, I have a purpose for you, he then says, I'm going to protect you for your purpose. I'm going to protect you for the purpose that I have for you. You begin to experience God's divine protection. Let let me show you how it works in the story. How many of you know the little song, Joshua Fought the Battle of Jericho? Anybody remember that song? It was a Sunday school song. And it goes, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. I don't know what key it's in. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the. Thank you. Thank you. You guys sang that way better than me. And the walls came tumbling down, right? That's the thing we all know about Jericho, is the walls came down, right? The walls fell down. But hold on a second. Look at verse 15. Where did Rahab live? Verse 15. The house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now hold on a second. I thought the walls came tumbling down. Yeah, the walls came tumbling down, except the part of the wall where Rahab lived. Why? Because God had marked her for divine protection. When the world around you, come on, somebody get with me, is starting to crumble and fall apart, God says, I'm going to mark you, I'm going to protect you from the things that are crumbling around you, because I have a divine purpose for you, so I've got to protect my purpose in you. The the, the truth is, Rahab received this mark, she had this purpose, she had this calling on her life, and so God said, even though I'm going to take down the walls around her, I'm going to preserve her life. There's an old song that says, "My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name." And then the chorus says, "On Christ, the solid rock I stand. all other ground is all other ground is sinking sand. Here, here's the reality. If you allow God to mark you. If you respond to the marking that he has upon you, then he will put his divine protection around you. He will put his divine protection around you. That's number one. Um, Number two, you're not only protected, but number two, you become a participant in God's divine plan. In his divine purpose. You, you, You don't just sit on the sidelines anymore. When you get marked for life, you get brought into the game. My wife sent me a video the other day. Of a, Of a wrestling mom, the mom wasn 't wrestling, her son was wrestling, um, but she was watching her son wrestle, and it was one of the greatest I just related to the video because she's sitting in the seat right on the sidelines and her son's out there wrestling and she is twisting and turning on the sidelines because she wants to get out there and wrestle her. You know, she wants to win for her her son. In fact, her husband is sitting beside her and she starts yanking on him and punching him. and elbow. She puts him in a headlock, right? Because she's at, she wants to get in the game here. Here's here's the reality. There's no bench warmers in the kingdom of God. God doesn't invite us to sit on the sidelines. Once he's marked us, he says, I want you to participate. I'm actually bringing you into the game. He doesn't mark you for mediocrity. He marks you for mission. He marks you for ministry. He marks you for a meaningful life where you're actually participating in the work and in the things of God. So when he marked Rahab, you see, Rahab became the entryway into the promised land for the Israelites it was her discussion with the two spies that sent them back to Joshua and said, these people are melting in fear. We got them, and we've got an insider that's telling us how to do it. So, so, so God said, I'm going to take this woman who's been marked for life by her past, and I'm going to mark her for eternal life, and I'm going to mark her for my purpose. And not only that, if you go down into the New Testament, if you move down into the New Testament, look at Matthew chapter 1 at the genealogy of Jesus. And many of you know this. It says this. I'm not going to read you a whole genealogy. It's like 15 pages long. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Rahab. Boaz, the, mother of, the, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. All the way down. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. God said, I'm going to take this woman who is marked for life and I'm going to make her a forebearer of the Messiah. I'm going to take a a marked person and put her in the line of the Messiah. I'm going to use her for my divine purpose. Why? Because she was marked for life. She received divine protection. She got brought into divine participation. Number three, when you're marked for life, you become a source of God's grace to your family and friends. The Christian life is never about us on our own. God doesn't say, I'm going to save you, and and it's about you. God says, I'm going to save you, I'm going to mark you, because the grace that I'm giving to you is going to extend through you to the other people that I want to reach. My family, we went to the the art museum, St. Louis Art Museum, this week, and there is a Monet exhibit there. If you haven't been, it's a beautiful Monet exhibit. In 1874 this painter, Claude Monet, uh, he exhibited a painting called Impression Sunrise. That was the name of his painting, Impression Sunrise. An art critic showed up at this event and said, these guys don't know what they're doing. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. He's He's just painting his impression. And he meant that to be a derogatory remark. He meant that to be a criticism. But what happened is the work of Monet began to impact the other painters around him, painters like Degas and Renoir and Cezanne and Cassatt and Van Gogh and Manet and Pissarro, and the list goes on and on. When they look back at that moment, they ended up calling that moment the exhibit of the Impressionists and the Impressionist art artistic movement has impacted and transformed the world of art around the globe and you can go over to the st louis art museum today and look at the impact of impressionist painting why because one person impacted another who impacted another who impacted another you see when we allow god to mark us and we allow the grace of god to enter us it's not just for us it's for all of the people around us we began to be a font of grace a fountain of grace for those around us we begin to extend God's grace to our friends and to our family. Here's how we see it in Rahab's life. If you look at verse 24 and 25, it says this, Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, and what? And her family and all who belonged to her. In other words, God didn't just use her for her. He used her to bring grace, to bring mercy, to bring faith to all of the people in her life. God wants to use somebody today. God wants to mark you for mission. He wants to mark you to extend God's grace not only to you but through you. One of the models that we talk about at our church here quite often is the model of moving a person from from the community outside of these walls into the crowd. And 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 then moving that person from the crowd and inviting them to become a Christian, to put their faith in Jesus. And then inviting Christians to move from being a Christian to being committed. To where they're actually living it out as true disciples. And then moving from committed all the way to commissioned. Commissioned is when you go back out and you begin spreading the grace, the love, the mercy, the joy of God. The love of God, not only for you, but to all of the people around you. God is saying, today I want to mark somebody for life. The question is then, how, how do we like Rahab, how do we get marked for life? How do we get marked by God? How does God Mark us for life. I'm going to give you this last verse. Hebrews 11:31 31 says this. By faith, by faith, the prostitute Rahab did not perish with those who were disobedient. How did she experience life? By faith. How did she experience the grace of God? By faith. How did she experience the power of God on her life? By faith. How did she experience the purpose of God on her life? By faith. When she hung that cord out her window, she had faith that that cord, that mark, would mark her for life. She believed and trusted that God would mark her for life by putting her faith in the word of God through the men of God and by the mark that they told her to put. God is reaching out to one of us today, and I'm going to close with this. God is reaching out to all of us today and saying, I want to invite you by faith to experience the mark of my love, the mark of my grace, the mark of my mercy, the mark of the purposes that I have for you. There's a song that says, I see a crimson stream of blood, and it flows from Calvary. Its waves reach the throne of God, and they're sweeping, sweeping over me. Today, I want to invite each and every one of us to experience the goodness of God, the grace of God, the love of God, to be marked, marked by God. Often on Palm Sunday in churches, you'll receive some palm fronds. The palm fronds were the uh, symbolic of the fronds, the palms that were being waved uh, during the triumphal entry when Jesus came into Jerusalem Uh, and, 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 yeah, into Jerusalem. And what we know about that occasion is that he was coming into Jerusalem to die for us. To to allow the mark of his blood to be put upon us. So what I want us to do today is we've got a little symbolic thread for each and every one of you. On your way out, I want to invite you to take one of these little threads. And as we enter this last week before Easter... I want to invite you to tie this onto your wrist or hang it from your rearview mirror or place it in your Bible or put it somewhere where you can see it so you can say, you know what? I'm marked by God. I'm marked by the blood of God. I'm marked by the blood of the Savior Jesus. His death, His burial, His resurrection is what saves me. And I'm going to put my trust in Him. I'm going to build my life on the solid rock of the mark of God the blood of Christ. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? I just want you to know on this week before Easter you have been marked for protection you've been marked for a purpose you've been marked for God's provision you've been marked for God's power you have been marked for life by the blood of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for your Holy Spirit who is here even with us right now. We praise you for the power of your word in our hearts and in our lives. I pray, Lord God, that each and every one of us, each and every one of us, would surrender our hearts and our souls before you and we would put our faith in you We would put our trust in you, and we would experience the joy of your salvation as those who have been marked by you. God, we love you, we honor you, and we praise you today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen.